There was a young college student that came home in tears. She said to her father, Dad, you gave me terrible financial advice. Her father said, well, what did I tell you? The girl responded and said, you told me to put my money in that big bank. Now that big bank is in trouble. The father said, what are you talking about? That's one of the biggest banks in the state. He must have made a mistake. I don't think so, she cried. They just returned one of my checks with a note on it saying insufficient funds. She thought the bank was in trouble. It was her account that was in trouble. You know, our theme for this year is stretch. And we're trying to stretch further, be more, and do more than we have so far in our lives. Now, I'm not saying stretch your money to where you get insufficient funds over and over and over again. That's not a fun thing. I've had that happen. I don't know about you, but I've had experienced that myself. But, you know, uh, as the new year came, a lot of resolutions were made. And maybe your resolutions are going well, or maybe they're not going too well. Either way, at the start of the year, that's the time that many people examine their lives. But as a Christian, we shouldn't examine our lives just once a year. Socrates once said, an unexamined life is not worth living. And that's something we got to think about. An unexamined life is not worth living. You know, I remember people telling me how fast time flies when you get older. They said, you need to really watch how you and, and God are right now because it's going to go by really fast. And in James chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible tells us something here. In James 4, 14, it says, Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You know, I shared before how when I was in the fire department, one day I was coming home, and I made a little detour to go to Krispy Kreme Donuts. And, uh, I got into a car wreck, and a semi-truck actually hit my car, and it spent my car around, and it, it literally you know, ejected me out the car. I flew to the other side of the highway, almost got hit by cars on the other side of the highway. But it really just shocked me that getting some donuts could kill you. Um, but I was just on my way home from, the, from working at the fire department and thinking life is going to be good. I'm just going to go home, eat some donuts, relax for the day. Guys, none of us know when our time is going to come. And we have people that are studying the Bible or visit church. you got to realize sometimes you may think, well, I'll, I'll, I'll study the Bible next month. Or I'll wait till you know, it's Black History Month next month, so I'll do it then. You know, or... We have all these different things. When my kids get older and they're ready for God, then I'll commit myself. We don't know what our life is going to be like. I didn't know going to Krispy Kreme was going to end up in a car wreck like that. You don't know how life is going to be. So it's important for us to plan for our future. Yes, absolutely. But in planning for our future, we have to think and depend upon God. Even as a Christian, we think, you know what, I'm just going to be biting my time until Jesus comes back. Well, that's not what a disciple of Jesus does. We don't sit around and bite our time. Yet, when we truly examine ourselves, we can look and say, you know what, it's not smart for us to waste time being focused on meaningless things. Such as wondering what people think about us. 
half the time they're not even thinking about us. Spending time holding grudges. Being mad at somebody for years and years. Being fearful of messing up. If I try this and mess up, what's going to happen? You know, we can spend so much time focused on meaningless things. So today, I want us to examine our relationship with God, examine our lives in three different areas. So I'm going to give you the typical preacher three-point sermon. But you know I'm a little special, so it's going to be a little different in some kind of way. So the first thing I want us to look at is the man in the mirror. We've got to take a look at the man in the mirror. James chapter 1, verse 22. James chapter 1, verse 22. Right after Hebrews, James chapter 1. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. We all know what a mirror does. It provides us with a detailed look at our lives. And a mirror is important because it shows the reflection of who you are. For instance, if you take care of yourselves properly, the mirror, it won't hide if there's imperfections there. It's an honest, straightforward look at who you really are. But the problem with mirrors is that sometimes we look at them so quickly that we don't look intently at it and get a good picture. We can look at it and see what we want to see sometimes. We can focus on stuff that we want to focus on and miss the big picture. It would be like being at men's warehouse, trying on some pants, and so focused on if the shoes match, you walk out and forget your flies open. I'm just saying. We can be looking at one area so focused on it that there's other imperfections that are just blaring. And many times we look at ourselves and we just want to look at certain areas and not realize there's a bigger picture to the situation. We do that with God's Word sometimes. We don't apply it to our complete lives. We look, at, look for, oh, that's a good feeling about grace. Let's look at that right now. Oh, that's a good thing about just being happy. But we're not looking at also denying self. Also repenting of sin. See, we can look at this and see the Bible shows the interior just as a mirror shows the exterior. And God is saying, I'm giving you the Bible because this is a mirror for you so you can change and be more like me. And this is what it's all about. Look in Proverbs 27, verse 19. Proverbs 27, 19. It says, as water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects the man. Just as you look at, at, at in water, it reflects your face. Your heart reflects who you really are. You know, God gives us the Bible so it could be a mirror for our lives 
so we can take a look at it and clean up whatever needs to be cleaned up. Why? So we can be more like him. I don't know about you, but back in the day when I was growing up, my mom, we had to go somewhere, whether it was church or school or whatever. And we're walking in there, and there was something like on my face. She'd real quick put a whole bunch of spit in her finger and just wipe it all off. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to spit all on me. But, you know, the parent wants to clean the kid up. And God is our parent, and he wants to clean us up. But, yeah, he doesn't spit on us. He gives us the word of God to help us be what we need to be. So what do we need to do? We need to get into the word of God every single day. Why? Because it's a mirror showing you what your heart is really like. It's not something to beat you down. He doesn't want you to focus on your imperfections only. He just wants you to be a better person, a different person. And he is a father nurturing us, like a mother nurturer. He is there to help us be the best we can be. But here's the thing. It's up to you to get into the Bible. It's not up to anybody else to ask you, are you in the Bible? To make sure you're getting in the Bible. Do you want to look at yourself in the mirror? It all starts with the man in the mirror. Now, that's the first thing. But then there's something else we need to understand. It's not just the man in the mirror, but it's also human nature. Why? Why? I'm going to tell you that it's human nature. Look in John chapter 15. I think Aaron gets it. John chapter 15, verse 4. It says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. You know, I love nature, and I know uh, Corey Spencer calls me country, because I'm from Nebraska, which is not country, but I've just accepted I'm country. And I like driving out, and I like looking at the trees and the animals and different things. And I'm driving now, like we, we were on a Christmas vacation, we are driving up through Tennessee, and I'm like trying to tell my kids, hey, look outside, look at the mountains, look at the clouds in the mountains. They're like, yeah, uh-huh, that's nice. And I'm like, look at the trees, you see the different fl- the colors of the leaves? Yeah, you want me to Google it and tell you what it's like? I want you to Google it, I want you to look and enjoy the nature. But it's amazing how you can drive for miles and miles, and you see different colored trees and leaves and different things. It's an amazing thing. Leaves are beautiful, then they fall to the ground and become a nuisance. They fall to the ground, they get ugly because they lose the color, all the allergies and pollen get on them, then my sinuses act all up. They go from being a beautiful thing to something that just makes you sick. 
Why is this? Because they're no longer plugged into the vine. They're no longer plugged into the power source. Look at what it says here again in verse 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Now I want to read the same thing to you from the message version of the Bible. It's the same verses, but just a different version. It says, live in me, make your home in me, just as I do you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only if by being joined to the vine, you can bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown onto the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home with you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciple. He makes things very clear. Even in verse 4 it says, you remain in me, Christ, and I, Christ, will remain in you. And we've got to notice that this requires a willingness on our part to remain in him. It doesn't just happen. We have to decide to remain in him. Now going back to the leaves real quick. When a leaf falls to the ground, it still has its color when it lands on the ground. It still has some life to it when it lands on the ground. But after time, day after day after day, it starts to lose its color, starts to lose its beauty, and then the mold and pollen starts to get on it, and then it just starts to wither away. This is how we can be in the church. We can be so tied in and full of life, full of joy, happy. But then when we try to separate ourselves, we can still look good for a little bit. But then as time goes on, we start to lose our color. We start to lose that zeal, that excitement. And then the next thing you know, stuff starts to collect on us. Anger, bitterness, rage, frustration. We are just like the leaves if we are not connected to the vine. John uses the word remain. He uses it 11 times in this one chapter. He uses it 40 times in his entire Gospel of John. And 27 other times in the epistles of John. So it's obvious that the word remain is important. The word remain means a constant, moment-by-moment decision to follow Christ. That's not our human nature. Our human nature isn't every single moment, let me do what God wants me to do. I don't know about you, but that's not my normal nature. But we can make a decision to follow that. See, we can't be a passive believer and just sit around and remain until we die. We got to be active. It says we have to choose to remain in Jesus so he can remain in us. It's a constant decision to follow Christ. You say, well, how can that be? Okay, when you're at home, you got to make a decision what you're going to watch on your television. 
you got to make a decision what website you're going to visit on your computer or your cell phone. you got to make a decision when somebody cuts you off how you're going to respond to them on the highway. you got to make a decision when your kid keeps interrupting you to get you to take them somewhere how you're going to act. you got to make a decision what time you're going to show up for church. Got a little quiet on that one, didn't it? You got to make a decision. This is what I'm talking about, a moment-by-moment decision. That's what you need to make. This is what it means to remain in Christ. Will you be perfect? By no means, none of us are perfect, only Jesus. But your decisions are what's going to lead you into a relationship that stays faithful to God. This is what he's talking about. It's important for us to understand this. I've heard people say, you know what, I'm going to take a break from God. How? Where are you going to go that God is not at? What kind of decision is that, taking a break from God? I'm just curious how that's going to work out for anybody. Now, as we look at this leaf, as we look at the passage of Scripture, I want to make it clear that Jesus, again, is not wanting us to focus on our imperfections. Because some of us, we're good at being our worst critics. We can beat ourselves down real quick and easy. And it's hard to get up when you're beating yourself down. If somebody else beat you down, you may want to fight back. But when you're beating yourself down, it's important to see that that leaf does not just remain on a tree and do nothing. That leaf has to produce. As long as it's connected, it produces. It has life. So the question for us is this. Are we true disciples, or are we just hanging on? It says, as a disciple, look at verse 8. Again, what it says here, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. True disciples is one who does more than just believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But rather, he lets Jesus remain in him. So as we examine our lives, we've got to ask ourselves, am I a dried up leaf? Or am I a beautiful leaf that's remaining in Jesus, producing life, producing fruit? Well, what do you mean fruit? You mean I've got to go out and do this and that? No, it means your life is such a life that it will draw other people to that vine. It means you're just making a moment-by-moment decision to do what God wants you to do, and that sets you apart from everybody else out there in the forest, making these decisions. There's no doubt we're going to face challenges. But if you remain in Christ, how you handle those challenges will be different. So how do I stay connected? First of all, you've got to go back to looking at the man in the mirror. You've got to read the Bible every day. And at one point, I'm going to say that, and it's going to be like, everybody's going to say, amen, instead of 17 people. We are going to all have to get into our Bible every single day. Remember back? Remember back in the day when people would ask you all the time, did you have your quiet time? Did you pray? And you say, yeah, some people, it just, we just lied, yeah, even though we didn't, because you didn't want to be bothered. Well, now ain't nobody asking you. So now is, who are you really? So now is, who really is Lord of your life? Is it the news? Is that the first thing you do when you wake up? 
what is the Lord of your life? So we, amen. We got to read the Bible. We need to pray every day. This, again, is how we stay connected to the virus. We need to come and we need to worship with the believers. Guys, we shouldn't miss stuff. We need to worship with the believers. We come to church for two hours a day. Honestly, we eat more than two hours in one day when you sit down and add it all up. He's not asking for too much more of us. On Sunday, come and worship him. When? 10 o'clock is when we start. I'm just keep plugging away so we get everybody going. Listen, every time you see a branch and it's connected, you need to realize that branch is thriving because it's connected. You see a branch or some leaves sitting on the side of the road or hanging off, and you look at them and you see them dying, you say they're dying because they're not connected. And you got to make a decision. Am I going to be connected or am I going to sit there and start withering away and dying? We need to take a look at the man in the mirror, and we need to realize that it's human nature. And then thirdly and finally, we got to make a decision if our life is going to be boring or a thriller. Some of y'all later on are going to look back. Oh, now, when you and I accept Jesus as Lord, that means he's going to give us a pure, clean life. Now, I'm getting old. I can't be bending down. But here's the problem. I did hear that, Pam, by the way. Here's the problem. God wants to give us this pure life. Pure. But yet, we have issues. So our issues is we get a little angry with somebody. We get a little bitterness with somebody. We ain't been on a date in a while. My husband ain't treating me right. My wife ain't cooked in a week. And then we come to church and get it all mixed up. Now, is that what we're supposed to do? What? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know you didn't think I was going to drink that. But too often, we let those little drops get into that purified body that Christ has died for. We let those little foxes start to ruin the vineyard. And we just think, you know what, just one or two drops, that's not that big a deal. I can just look at something for one, one or two minutes on my phone. I can just, just you know, flirt a little bit here. I can just do this or that. You notice the first drop I put in there made the whole thing messed up. It wasn't the fourth and fifth one, the first one messed it up. Look over in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37. It says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus took, stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. He said, 
Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the last day he says, if anybody is thirsty, in other words, if you need your life pure, if you need a refreshment in your life, if you need to be different, if you need to cleanse yourself, then you need to come to me. This is Jesus' words here. So what do we want to drink, that dirty water or the clean water? That's what we have to ask ourselves. What life do I want to live? Do I want to live the dirty life or do I want the clean life? If you are truly thirsty and wanting Jesus, then we must remain in the vine. It starts with us examining ourselves. It helps us to see, you know, it's just not my human nature to follow him, but I have to make a decision moment by moment to do what's right. Your decisions determine how your life is. Your heart reflects who you are. Even though you may on the outside not be angry or cussing at people, but inside you tearing them down like Richard Pryor used to cuss. You just going to town all in your heart. I ain't say it out loud. But if that's in your heart, that's who you are. That's why the Bible deals with our heart and not what's on the outside of who we are. One last scripture, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What is he saying? God wants to fill you up with a clean life. But it all depends on if you're going to take a good examination of yourself. Are you going to take a look at the man in the mirror? Are you going to realize it may not be your human nature, but you can still make the right decisions day by day? And then you have to follow that up with, listen, either I can have a boring life or I can have a life that's a thriller. It's up to you how you want to live. It is your choice. Nobody can make you. Being a Christian is an adult decision that you make. You say, well, what about these 16-year-olds over here? They're not really adults. But trust me, going to school every day, they experience a lot more than many of us experience in one day than we do in a whole week. It's a lot for these teenagers. And I'm encouraged that we have five kingdom kids become Christians in this past year. That says a lot about the church. They're saying, I don't want to live that dirty life like the world. I want to be clean. I want to be pure. I want to learn how to have a righteous relationship, to have a righteous marriage, to have kids that I can be proud of. This is what it's all about, guys. But again, it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a strong household to build that village. And this is what we need to talk about. You've got to examine yourself. So if you're examining yourself and you say, you know what, I'm just not doing the right thing. Don't beat yourself down. you got to understand, Jesus didn't die for you to suffer. Jesus died so you can have life to the full. 
So if things aren't going right for you, get with somebody and get some help. It's just that simple. Sometimes we make Christianity harder than it is. Well, we got to realize Jesus already did the hard thing. He died for us. So what we go through day by day is challenging, but it's not as hard as what Jesus went through. Brothers and sisters, I love you. Let's examine ourselves. Let's make sure we're making right decisions day after day. Why? So we can live the life that is a thriller of a life and not just trying to hold on to some boring life that is not what Jesus meant for us to have. I love you and I thank you and to God be the glory. Amen.